Amen. Okay, take your Bibles if you would. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. As we come through, once again, uh, another portion of this psalm, we only have a couple of weeks left, if you would, in Psalm 119, and it looks as though we have one, two, three, uh, four, five, six weeks left in this portion of Scripture that we'll be looking at, and then we'll backtrack at the end of summer. We'll pick back up uh, as the teens and the children go back to their classes on Wednesday evenings. We'll pick back up, and we'll go back to the psalms again, but it'll be back towards the 50th psalm. And to move forward, as we took a little bit of a break, we made it about 50 psalms, and then we went to Psalm 119, and we'll pick back up over there as we continue our midweek service studying the book of Psalms verse by verse. But Psalm 119, as you come to verse number 121, I want to draw your attention to one specific statement that you see here. And uh, this, this four words, if you would, are words that really, uh, I believe in many cases, there are, there are Christians today who... Uh, have not maybe understood these four words. Maybe they've understood them, but they haven't lived them out. Maybe they're afraid of these four words. Maybe they haven't uh, truly understood all that these four words mean. And there are some things that sometimes fail Christians in the sense of what takes place in their life, and they fail to realize all that God has for them. And I want you to draw your attention, if you would, for just a moment, to verse number 125. And we're going to look at some things in this portion of Scripture. We'll look at every single one of these verses. But verse number 125, four words here that are seen at the very beginning of this psalm here that I believe sometimes, like I've already mentioned, we fail to realize just how important these four words are. Those four words are very simple. The words are, I am thy servant. Servant, uh, being a servant of the Lord is a blessing. A lot of Christians might look at it as drudgery sometimes. They might only look at the negative things. They might only look at the, the problems that you might face. And they might only look at the difficulties. But can I share with you this evening, if your perspective is only to focus on the negative, you'll never see the blessing of being able to say, I am a servant. I'm a servant of the Lord. As you think about those four words, I ask you tonight, are you truly a servant of the Lord? There are Christians here maybe this evening or maybe that you know that have not truly and fully understood the blessing of those four words. Sometimes it's because of a discipleship. Maybe it was either poor discipleship or maybe an individual that has accepted Christ, their personal Savior, has never truly been discipled. And so they never understood what was the next step after salvation. Sometimes that may be the case. Sometimes it is an undisciplined life. They won't surrender their life to the Lord and be fully what we would say given to the Lord. Sometimes that might be the case. They don't want to truly be a servant of the Lord. Sometimes they might just be lazy. They're surrendered but not willing to be fully invested. Have you ever met a Christian, and I know many of us have, but you've met a Christian who says, yes, I, I do this, and you begin to, to acknowledge that, and you begin to take a look at that ministry or that, that situation, you begin to see that, yeah, you do it, but you don't do it maybe with the right intentions. Maybe you don't do it with the right expectation of actually asking God to see it through and do something. There are a lot of things that you find in the Christian life that, that people will say that they do, and they do a very sloppy job at. One of the reasons that we have our leadership meeting every single year is to acknowledge that, yes, we want to take some steps of faith, and we want to add some ministries, but we want to do it the right way. We never want to start a ministry and, and do it in a way that is very sloppy or makes the, the Lord look bad concerning what our church is trying to accomplish. And so sometimes there are Christians who, when they say, I am a servant of the Lord, they don't truly understand all those details. 
And so those four words are words that are very important in this portion of Scripture. Notice with me, if you would, as we backtrack, and we'll come to these four words here in just a moment once again. But the Bible says in verse number 121, I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Now, in this portion of the psalm here, you'll find that the psalmist is, is facing some oppression, if you would. And he's going through some things. And so notice with me at the very beginning, verse number 20, 121, that word judgment, it speaks of outworking the righteous, if you would, the righteousness, if you would, the justice there. That word justice, it's, it's together as a, a principle in all of what is taking place. And it says, lead me not to mine oppressors, those who would violate, those who would deceive, those who would defraud that individual, if you would. Verse number 122, it says, be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation. That statement right there speaks of a longing that the psalmist has here. And for the word of thy righteousness, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. And so I want you to notice these four words once again, I am thy servant. Because tonight, in many cases, one of the things that if I could get you to understand this and with the joys of being a servant of the Lord, I was saved at the age of 16 years old, I went to a, a church camp, and when I was sitting in that service, I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. After that, I was at the age of 16, I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. 17 years old, the following January, right after I'd gotten saved, I surrendered my life to preach. And when I go back to that time in my life, and I began to think about the Lord dealing with me from those months of, of accepting Christ as my personal Savior to the months of Him calling me to preach, I remember that there was a major factor that the Lord allowed someone to invest in me for me to see concerning the ministry. Whenever you begin to think about ministry, some of you might be praying about that right this very moment. Brother Bill, whenever you were praying about it, you might have been terrified of the thought of ministry and what the Lord might have been doing. I know I was. And one of the things that I remember and I go back to is one of the things that I look back and I see in those moments was I saw... Not just the heartache of ministry. Heartache is, is in every one of our lives. We, we experience that, every single one of us. And sometimes if we're not careful, we only focus on the negatives. For instance, if the Lord is dealing with someone about uh, the ministry, someone might say, well, I just don't know if I could do that. I mean, that, being up in front of people or doing this or you think about this or that, and we only pinpoint the negatives. But my father-in-law, who was my pastor at the time, was an individual who uh, invested in us a lot. He invested in uh, the young people of the, the ministry there, and this is part of why we go to the junior camps. This is part of why we go to the teen camps, because he, he made this statement. He said, these are your juniors, and these are your, your senior high, and these are your youth group, and these are the children of the church, but there's going to come a day when they're not the children of the church anymore. They're going to be your deacons in your church now. They're going to be your Sunday school workers now. They're going to be your children's workers now. They're going to be your nursery directors now. They're going to be people that are not only the ones who were raised up in the church, but they will at some point in time be gentlemen that are leading the charge in the local church. There will be ladies who are serving the local church. So he, he began to instill that, that, yes, while he was our pastor, there was going to come a time whenever we were going to graduate out of high school 
and he wanted to have that relationship. That's part of one of the things that we do. We, we go to junior camp and teen camp because we want to be able to create that bond moving forward for eternity. But one of the things I look back and I see is, yes, we saw sometimes the hard parts of ministry, but I look back and I think back in that little time frame of, of maybe six to seven months, and I say, you know what I saw? I saw the joy of ministry. I saw a servant who loved serving the Lord. I saw a servant who said, I am the Lord's servant, not just because I have to be, I get to be. I get to serve the Lord. I am thy servant. Tonight, you might be here this evening, and you're beginning to, to read this psalm here, and you begin to think about the oppression that the psalmist is facing and some of the things that he is going through. And I want you to not only notice the beginning of it, because if you look at verses 121 to verse 124, you might notice just the negative things that the psalmist is facing. But there's a, a, a flip of a switch, if you would, in verse number 125 as he says, I am thy servant, give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments. There's that joy right there. Oh, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. It's as though the psalmist says, hey, I, I'm being oppressed, but I'm not going to stop right there. The oppression isn't going to uh, push me back. The oppression isn't going to knock me down because, Lord, you're worthy, and, Lord, I love you, and I'm thy servant, and, Lord, I love all of your ways. And so he begins to change his perception, if you would, or his viewpoint. And he begins to not look at just the negative things, but he begins to, in verse number 125, point all of the focus back to the Lord as he says, I am thy servant. And tonight you might have come to the house of God and you might be struggling with these four words. And these are four words that every single one of us struggle with. Can I share with you, being completely honest with you, and, and some of you have, are, may have been in this place before, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you've worked in a ministry, there are days when you wake up on a Sunday morning and you say, you know what, I don't want to be a Sunday school teacher today. Can I share with you, there are days when I wake up on a Sunday morning I don't want to get up and preach. I, I, I struggle. I, I'm human. I, I'm still, uh, I have to crucify that flesh that we talked about on Sunday school this past Sunday. There are times whenever I have to, to, to really say, you know what, Lord, I need you to remind me of the, the privilege and the joy of preaching your word. Why? Because there are days that are, that are a little bit more difficult. There are, there are weeks that are a little bit harder, if you would. But I don't know that I've ever woke up on a Sunday morning and, and been struggling and, and said, Lord, I don't feel like preaching where I didn't get up and still preach your word. And after I got done preaching, I began to think, what a blessing. Wow. Lord, I am thy servant. The struggle sometimes, what are the, what's the struggle sometimes? Maybe for some of you, you're afraid of these words. I am thy servant. Some of you, long before you ever started serving the Lord, the Lord maybe had been working in your life, and maybe the preacher in whatever uh, time or season in life came up to you and asked you to serve in a ministry. And maybe you had never served before, and so immediately when the preacher asked you, hey, we want you to serve in this ministry, what do you begin to think? I don't know if I could do that. I'm afraid to do that. I've never done something like that. And so sometimes that, that statement, I am thy servant, is a, a fearful statement, if you would. We're afraid to acknowledge that, hey, Lord, I am thy servant, because acknowledging that I am thy servant is four things that we're going to notice here in just a few moments that the psalmist begins to deal with. But sometimes we might be afraid of those words. Sometimes we are just stubborn with these words, I am thy servant. We just begin to buck at the Lord's dealing with us. Sometimes 
we realize there are also some people who are faithful to these words. How many of you tonight with a raised hand would say that you know a servant tonight, maybe even in a different city, maybe in a different state, maybe someone who's gone on before, that you're thankful for the investment of the faithful servant that they were in your life? I believe every single one of us have a hand that would go up. And as you begin to think about those faithful servants of the Lord, those faithful servants of the Lord are, are servants that motivate us to continue, and they continue to help us to grow in certain areas. This statement, I am my servant, begins to reveal some things within our lives, though. It begins to reveal what's going on in our heart. You see, if you have a heart that is backslidden, you don't want to be a servant, do you? Wow, well, I mean, if you're, you're backslidden, Lord, I just don't want to. It begins to reveal our mind. You begin to th reveal what's going on and what your thinking is if you even want to. You might be even saying, well, what's it, what's it matter if I serve anymore? It oftentimes reveals our attitude towards authority. We must ask ourselves this question tonight. Is the Lord Lord of our life? Because if he's Lord of our life, then we delight in being a servant of the Lord. It reveals our desires. And so those four words, I am thy servant, they're not just four words. There are four words that encompass so much concerning the Christian life. And maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, so what's the big deal? Are you saying that I need to be a servant of the Lord? Yes. If you're a child of God, you need to be a servant of God. You say, well, well I'm not serving in, in any major ways in the local church right now. That doesn't mean that you can't be a servant of the Lord. You know, whenever we were in Columbus, Georgia, we lived there for, I believe, 10 years. We moved there whenever I was in eighth grade. And uh, we were there until I graduated, but they were there for even a couple more years after I graduated high school and my brother graduated and all of that. And my stepdad was not a, a, a Sunday school teacher. He was not someone who uh, taught any of the major ministries. He wasn't a, a, a major, uh, he wasn't a deacon or anything like that in the local church. He wasn't. But he didn't stop there and say, you know what, if I can't serve in the local church, I'm just not going to serve the Lord. No, you know what he did? He started a Bible study on the military base. And he said, you know what, I can still serve the Lord on the military base and be a servant of the Lord. You see, serving the Lord and being a servant of the Lord isn't confined to the building right here. You get to go out into the world and serve the Lord. You get to go out into the community. That means when you walk into a grocery store, you can have a conversation and spark up a conversation and serve the Lord right there by inviting someone or sharing the testimony of the grace of God in your life. Or maybe when you go to a, a restaurant, you can leave a track and talk to someone and, and spark a conversation there. You don't just have to say, you know what, if I can't serve the Lord in the local church, then that means I can't serve the Lord. No, you can serve the Lord in any capacity, anywhere. It doesn't have to be just in the local church. I am a servant of the Lord. Be determined to be a servant of the Lord. The psalmist here is being oppressed. He is finding some difficult situations as what he is facing, but he doesn't stop right there. He doesn't say, hey, if I'm going to be oppressed, then that's the end of me. I can't do anything. He says, I am the servant of the Lord. He says, I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. That's a message right there, verse number 126. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. So notice with me, if you would, for just a few moments, four things that we see concerning this statement, I am thy servant, that you find also, not only in this passage of Scripture, but also many, many places in Scripture. Verse 125 says, I am thy servant. If tonight, if you are struggling with this statement, maybe you're afraid, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're just stubborn, maybe you're faithful, and you say, Lord, I want to be a servant of the Lord. What are some things that have to be done within our lives? Number one, we must defeat pride. You have to defeat pride. The Bible
Bible goes on to say in James 4, 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Proverbs 27, 2, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. Proverbs 8, 13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Jeremiah 9.23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. Proverbs 29.23, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. We must defeat pride. Pride is something that oftentimes is the root issue to much of our sin. Uh, arrogancy in the Christian life, there's a, a root to pride. Stubbornness in, in the Christian life is a root to pride. And pride is something that is holding many Christians captive for doing something great for God. Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves, and we begin to, to think, oh, someone should acknowledge me, or someone should put me up on a pedestal. Can I share with you? Never put man on a pedestal. Because man will always fail us at certain times. Now, I'm not saying don't love man. You should love brothers and sisters in Christ. You should love mankind. You should try to think about those types of things. But never put man or yourself in the place of God. Pride is something that is a major issue within many Christians' lives. And when you begin to think about that statement, I am my servant. There are, there are stories and stories and stories of people who have been asked to serve the Lord, but they, they maybe will think they're too good for that ministry. Can I share with you that's a, a root issue of pride? Hey, I think, you know, and one of the things that we find in our, in our even our local church, whenever the, some of you families have recently joined and, and you'll say, hey, I, I want to serve, and there are, there are limited ministries right at this very moment in, in some ways because there's so many people that, that, that we're starting new ministries. But what are some of the ministries that we can serve in together? Well, there's, there's the soul winning ministry we can serve in together. There's, there's the, 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 you begin to think about, there's been a couple of you in our church family here of recent that showed up for a work day that, have, that I said, hey, one of the things that needs to be done is we just need to clean the church. And I love whenever somebody comes up and says, hey, I want to get involved, and what, well, what can I do? I'll do anything. What do you want me to do? I love those words. I'll do anything. I love that. I remember seeing that picture a couple of years ago of an individual who was in a wheelchair, and they weren't going to let being in a wheelchair stop them, and they were vacuuming and cleaning the auditorium. You know what they did? They crucified pride in their life a long time ago. Can I encourage you tonight? Maybe you say, you know what? I truly want to be a servant of the Lord, then we must defeat pride. You see, pride says I can. Humility says God must. Pride says I did. Humility says God did. Pride says, my will, humility says, thy will. Pride exalts self, humility exalts the Lord. You know, there are a lot of times in our lives here, even of recent, as our church has grown, and even as recent of getting in this property, where people might have come up to you and said, hey, man, what God is doing. And right in that moment, you might have been tempted to say, yeah, we've done quite a bit, haven't we? No, 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 it hasn't been us. It's God. It's God. We just had someone just this past week, as I was talking to, uh, I think it was, Brother Andy's parents, we were talking, we were walking through, and they were, they were looking at everything. And we were acknowledging this is only something God could do. We were at the uh, graduation on Monday evening, and we were walking through, and we were dropping the kiddos off into the nursery buildings and, and walking through. And I was stopped by someone, and they were talking to me, and it was an individual who started a church that is in Columbus, Indiana, where I grew up. 
I grew up in Columbus, Indiana, and I, we went to school. Uh, I went to school with his son in college, and his name is Pastor Jones in, in, in Columbus, Indiana. And he started a church where I grew up, and we began to talk, and we were talking about everything that, that the Lord is doing here, and he said, yes, we've been following exactly what God has been doing, and that's exactly where it is, what God has been doing. You see, we must sometimes, we've got to come to the end of ourselves and say, Lord, it's nothing of me. I have not done anything. You know, the only thing we can do is bring a yielded spirit and a yielded life to the Lord. Lord, I surrender all. I'm all yours, Lord. The psalmist says, I am thy servant. A word, a statement, if you would, of disposal. Lord, I'm at your disposal. Whatever you see fit, Lord, I'll do. Not only that, but notice with me in verse number 124, in verse number 125, you see that he says, Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant, give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Not only must we defeat pride, but in these two verses right here, we must defeat procrastination. We must defeat procrastination. We must come to the place where we say, Lord, I'm not going to put it off any longer. It's not later. It's now. I remember a preacher was talking to someone one time, and he was sharing this, and he began to talk to someone about their eternal security, and he began to think about that statement that he was talking to them about, and they made the statement. They said, I'll think about my future later. He said, no, your future is now. You've got to think about that right this very moment. Are you saved right this very moment? You begin to think about procrastination in many believers' lives. Notice what he says right here in verse number 124. He says, deal with thy servant according to thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. At the end of verse number 125, he says, that I may know thy testimonies. The psalmist wanted God to do something right that moment in his life, not later on. As a matter of fact, he says in verse number 126, he says, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. Not later on, right this very moment. Bible goes on in Proverbs 27, verse number 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Proverbs 13, 4, The soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. It's been said, you may delay, but time does not and will not. Procrastination, as you begin to think about it, it's, it's more than just a thief of joy. It's a thief of, of souls. How many times has the Lord and the Holy Spirit been working in your life and trying to get you and urging you to share the gospel with someone? You said, Lord, I will later. And I don't know how many people that we've all said that to and later never came. Why? Because it's an opportunity. In the blink of an eye, we miss those opportunities. You see, one of the things the psalmist begins to acknowledge here is there was no time for waiting. In verse 126, he says, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. And one of the things that draws me to this portion of Scripture that encourages me is he says, give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. He is desiring, Lord, I want you to work right this very moment. Lord, I need the wisdom of God to deal with me. Lord, I don't want to hold off. I don't want to wait on these things. In verse 127, he says, therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. This statement right here begins to reveal to us that he had a greater yes burning inside of him. Oftentimes you say, well, so what are you trying to say? You're, you're saying that he had a greater yes burning inside of him. And many of the times that we procrastinate is because we're given to other things. And when you come to the end of yourself and realize that statement, I am thy servant, it's not something that you have to be, it's something that you get to be. And as you begin to acknowledge that you get to be a servant of the Lord and you get to serve the Lord and you get to, to be a testimony and a light to this community, you get to go out and do those things, you begin to acknowledge that, hey, Lord, I, I'm, I'm stirred up. 
How many times have we all been sitting in church services and the preacher was preaching, maybe a revival meeting, a, a tent meeting, a youth conference, a youth rally, whatever the case might have been, and all of a sudden your heart begins to burn and you want to get out and tell someone about Jesus. And, and you're hardly able to contain yourself and you go home and you say, man, what a service, what, a, what an opportunity, what a Savior we serve, and then we do nothing with it. We do nothing with it. I remember a couple of years ago, Miss Sally, you sharing that testimony, and you began to share that testimony, and you began to, maybe it was a, a conversation we were having, but I remember you saying uh, that you, you were no longer wanting to be um, moved, but or, uh, you were no longer wanting to be challenged, but you wanted to be changed. And I remember that. You might not remember that. No longer just challenged, but changed. How many times have we been sitting in the service and we sit there and say, man, that was, I needed that. And we don't do anything with it. How many times have we been reading our Bibles and our devotional life and we might even say, Lord, I'm going to do something with this. And then we never do something. We procrastinate. Can I share with you, in our day and age that we are living in, this world doesn't need Christians who are going to procrastinate. But we need Christians who are going to say, it's time to do something with that. It's time to do something right this very moment. He says, I am Thy servant. Notice with me, number three, we see this, that we must define our purpose. We must define our purpose. You might be sitting here right this very moment, and you're seeking some direction. You're saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And as you begin to walk with the Lord, he'll begin to define what that purpose is and what he has for you. The Bible says in Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 37, verse number 4, and this is a verse that is oftentimes taken out of, out of context, but it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give me the desires of thine heart. And sometimes we begin to think, oh, okay, so if I delight myself, and if I delight myself by reading God's Word, then all of a sudden I'll get to do whatever I want to do. No, no, no. What that statement at the very end means here, in verse number 4 of Psalm 37, when it says, and he shall give you the desires of thine heart, is what he is dealing with, is all of a sudden you'll begin to find that your heart matches up with his heart, and all of a sudden you have the heart of God to do what he desires for your life. And it's not what you wanted to do. Can I share with you, at the age of 16, I wanted to go play, and, go play basketball for the rest of my life. That was what my intentions were. I wanted to go and pursue sports. I wanted to go and do all that. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there as a 16, going on 17-year-old boy, and I begin to think, what is, what is God doing right now? He's, he's, what you, he's calling me to preach. Lord, no, I don't, want, I don't want to do that. And I wrestled with it for time and time again, and then finally I came to the end of myself and said, you know what? Now I'm finding that I have a desire to do something that I don't have a clue what it means. <laughs> you know, that desire, what does it mean to stand and, and preach? What does it mean to, to, to serve the Lord in a local church full capacity and full time and all these things? And I have this desire, and a little long, God began to reveal all of those things to me. 16, I was saved. 17, called to preach. 18, went to college. 22, came on staff at Gateway Baptist Church. 23, started pastoring. And it didn't happen from 16 to 23. I didn't know all those things. But a little along, God began to reveal those things. And God began to reveal what his desire was in my heart and in my life. And all of a sudden, I began to see all of that connecting the dots. We must define our purpose. Well, how do you define your purpose? Stop trying to figure out what your purpose based on the world is. Start saying, Lord, what is your purpose for my life? You see, there are, there are, too, many, there are too many options anymore. One of the things that I am finding that even young people, but probably even adults are, are struggling with, is that they're, they're, they're torn between all of these many things because they're told they have to do all of these things, when at the end of the day, what does God want us to do? 
what truly does the Lord want us to do? At, at the end of my life, whenever I look back at certain things, and, you know, I, I've saved, there's going to come a day whenever Jackson and, and Holly and Charlie and if we have any other kids are, are going to begin to ask, hey, Dad, tell me, you know, Jackson's going to be um, 16 years old. You, you, you start talking trash to your dad. If you guys start playing basketball, you start talking to him and say, oh, Dad, you can't guard me. You can't do this. Did they do that to you? There's going to come a day when I'm going to have to humble Jackson. And I'm going to have to, to, to sit him down for a few minutes and say, listen, son, I might be old, but and, and it doesn't every dad do this? Look, I might be old, but your dad had it going on back in the day, right? Every, every dad says that, right? Look, back in the day, y'all couldn't have hung with me. I was talking to Brother Scott just a, a couple of months ago, and we were talking about basketball and, and uh, joking for a few minutes, and he said, look, y'all couldn't, have, y'all, couldn't have, y'all couldn't have guarded me back in the day. I said, Brother Scott. I said, you'd have had no chance. He said, no, listen, y'all, y'all, y'all have been struggling guarding me. We all, we, all, we do that, don't we? You get to, to a certain age and you say, no, y'all, you just don't understand. And so there's going to come a day when I'm going to look back and I'm going to have to tell Jackson and Charlie, look, y'all, y'all just don't understand. Your dad was something. Just the other day, we were uh, watching, uh, I think it was softball or baseball or something, and we were talking. I said, yeah, your mama used to play softball and I played baseball and and uh, Miss Kelly and, and all, of, we were talking about that, and Jackson asked me, he said, was, was Mama good? I said, oh, she's all right. <laughs> you know, she was better at softball than I was at baseball. We, 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 you know, we were joking about that. But my purpose as a 16-year-old was, I want to go and play basketball. And then we say it this way, then Jesus had to step in, right? And when the Lord steps in, he just, he just wrecks all the plans that you have because he says, no, I have a greater plan, a greater plan. I remember being at a youth camp, and the, the speaker got up, and he began to, to, to just hold a blank piece of paper. And this is an illustration we've used here. But he began to, to hold a blank piece of paper, and he had a piece of paper with a bunch of writing. And he began to tear that piece of paper that had all the writing because that was his plans before he got saved, before he found the purpose that the Lord had. And he began to hand a blank piece of paper to the Lord and said, Lord, You write the script and help me just to say yes. I wonder tonight, how many of us have said, Lord, I want to keep holding on to my script, but Lord, if there are certain things that you want me to do, I'll let certain things go, but not everything. God all the while is saying, I want you to be a servant, a true servant. That means every bit of you, not just portions of you, every bit of you. We must define our purpose The psalmist here goes on to say this in verse number 127. He says, therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. You know how it's easy to find your purpose? Get in this book right here. Get in the book. Love the scriptures and give yourself to the reading of the scriptures. Number four, and we'll be done this evening. We must determine our priority. Can I ask you a blunt question this evening? Is God your priority? Is church your priority? Is reading the word of God your priority? Is spending time in prayer a priority? Are any of those things priority to you tonight? Our priorities are revealed. You know, it's been said many times, you can say it as many times as you want to, but until I see it, it means nothing. And how many times in our own lives have we made a lot of lip service, but we've never lived it out? I was laying in bed just the other day, and I was thinking about this, and I pray that my, my life will be one that there wasn't just lip service, but there was life service. The people said, hey, he said it, and he lived it out. And there were things that he said he would do, and he did those things. 
The psalmist goes on to reveal that this priority was found because he says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all the things to be right, and I hate every false way. It's not natural just to hate sin. Matter of fact, we're born into sin and we enjoy sin until we find Jesus. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the word of God and the dealing with the Lord, dealing with our lives begins to interrupt all of that. We say, wait, wait a second, I don't want to do this anymore? What does that mean? And the psalmist says in verse number 20, 128, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Well, why? Because in verse number 127, he reveals this. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Being a servant of the Lord, this word priority means the fact of being regarded or treated as more important. And there was someone who was preaching many, many years ago, and he asked the question, can you ever do too much for the Lord? Ask yourself that question. Can you ever do too much for the Lord? When he, when he was talking about it, he wasn't talking about, well, we do things and we say, you're welcome, Lord. Not like that. Can you ever serve God too much? Can you ever soul win too much? Can you ever read the scriptures too much? Can you ever spend too much time ever? Can you ever do too much when it comes to those things? You see, the fact of being regarded or treated as more important is revealed through our actions. What is your priority this evening? Jackson and Holly are going to learn at a very early age in their life that Listen, the Lord is first. The Lord is priority. And that's something that they're going to have to learn at an early age as they are born into the farmer family. As you begin to think about this statement at the very beginning again, verse 125, I am thy servant. I wonder where you fall into it tonight. Would you fall into the faithful category? You say, Lord, I want to be found faithful. And you, you've really been working at it. Would you fall into the, the lazy category where you say, Lord, I'm your servant, but I, I don't do a very good job at it? Would you fall into the stubborn category where you just, you're, just, you're not fully surrendered to the Lord? Or would you fall into the, the fearful subject right there where you say, you know what, I'm afraid to be the servant of the Lord? Change your perspective. Don't look all at the negative. Keep your eyes on Jesus. As you think about being a servant of the Lord, I want to share just nine traits I'm going to pass to you, and I'm going to elaborate on them of a servant of the Lord. Number one, he rejoices in the Lord. I'm thankful for Christians who are happy in Jesus. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Not only does he rejoice in the Lord, but he is resolved to serve the Lord. Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise you. You cannot serve God and money. He's responsible unto the Lord. He has surrendered to, notice this word, all, capital letters, A-L-L, -L, all of God's will. He serves others and the Lord. He's ready to serve. He's prepared to serve. He stands for the Lord. He speaks to and for the Lord. A servant of the Lord. Some of you, as I read those characteristics, someone faithful came to your mind. And I want to encourage you, not only thank the Lord for that individual, but could I ask you this question? Do you want to be that person? The last service, I believe, that we had in our church service, a reference was made to the song, I Want to Be That Man, that, that Austin and 
Jacob Lynch had sung, and Miss Linda made the joke and said, I'm still waiting for Austin to be that man, and she was joking and all that. But I wonder tonight, when you begin to think about being a faithful servant, and we say, oh, man, I'm thankful for those people. I wonder when it's going to click in our own minds and say, you know what? I want to be that faithful servant. Lord, this day, starting today, starting right now, I am thy servant. Maybe you've been kind of easing your way into it. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're stubborn. Maybe tonight you're lazy. Maybe you're faithful and you're really working at it. But tonight we fall into one of these categories and we, we have to ask ourselves, Lord, what kind of servant am I? You see, every single one of us meet people every single day. We have relationships with people. We have a testimony that people have of us. And they might look at our lives and they say, hey, that person's a Christian that truly loves the Lord. Some people have a testimony where people will look at your life and say, that person says they're a Christian, but their life says otherwise. May it fall into the category where people would look at us and say, you know what? That person, that's a true Christian right there. I love whenever I see someone who's not a Christian say, you know what, I don't, I don't agree with all this religious stuff, and I don't agree with all this Jesus stuff, but that's a Christian right there. Because that's a testimony of what God has done in that person's life, and whether that person realizes it or not, God's using them. God's using them. And as you begin to think about your own life, you begin to think about this portion of Scripture tonight, four words, and I wonder if we'd commit ourselves to them tonight. I am thy servant. Can I ask you this evening, what kind of servant are you? What kind of servant do you want to be? A servant of the Lord. What kind? Give it to the Lord. Ask the Lord to use you. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for these four words, I am thy servant. Lord, there's nothing greater than giving our lives to you and watching you use them way, way better than we ever could. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. I pray that we'd all decide tonight that we want to be a true servant of the Lord. We'd surrender our all on the altar. We'd give ourselves to you. We'd say, Lord, at thy disposal, use us. Lord, help us not to be a lazy servant, not a stubborn servant, and not a fearful servant. Lord, help us to be a faithful servant of the Lord. Help us to give ourselves to you and all that you have for us, and we'll thank you for it. Guide us now. Use this invitation for us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.